welcome welcome all to another episode of your favorite podcast today we are going through the games from the 19th of january to the 25th targo what are you drinking today i am drinking the best worst beer there is pbr just like college. Just yeah. like college. <laughs> was hanging out with a buddy, and that's his beer of choice, so had one laying around. Well, there you go. Yeah, get rid of it. <laughs> uh, today, I am drinking good old Kilt Lifter Scotch Ale from Pike's Brewing. It's so good. I love me and my Scotch Ales. You do. <laughs> yeah, but those are our brews. Let's get some banter. Welcome to Brews and Banter. Cargo, this is a very up and down week. A lot of action, a lot of good, some bad, but very entertaining nonetheless. Let's kick it off on the 18th. We had Crystal Palace against Manchester United. We both said United would win, but ultimately this one ended in a 1-1 draw. Yeah, it kind of looked like United were going to win. They got the first goal there in the first half. And then Olise, my young player to watch, I might add, came up big on a beautiful free kick. Oh, worldy. Contender for goal of the season there. Uh, I don't know about that, but it was a good free Con- kick. I'll give him Contender. <laughs> Contender. It won't be goal of the season, but it will be in the, the list. It was a beauty. So, yeah, yeah, Crystal Palace come away with a 1-1 draw there. Yeah. Uh, bigger result for Palace or more disappointing for Man United? I think more disappointing for Man United, the way they played that game. Yeah. They were leading a majority of that game, and then, you know, Crystal Palace got the gut punch at the end. Yeah. I mean, United were in cruise control pretty much this whole game, and then Casemiro gets his fifth yellow card of the season, which suspended him for the Arsenal game on the weekend. And then the game kind of just changed from there. Um, United started letting Crystal Palace get comfortable. And then just when you thought United had won it, Palace get a banger. Yeah, and then even after that, took a great tackle from Aaron Wambasaka on Wilfred Zaha to stop him from going in on goal one-on-one. Yeah, I mean, he was on a breakaway. Basaka, Wambasaka caught him and with the perfect scoop tackle. Yeah, I mean, that result leaves United, or left United, on 39 points and third at the time, and Palace up to 12th on 23 points. On the 19th, we had Manchester City versus Tottenham. We both predicted a draw. This was anything but. Yeah. And two com- a story of two completely <clears throat> different halves and two completely different Manchester City teams. Yeah, I know we had talked about, you know, Tottenham, they need to get out to a quick start. They can't be waiting to the second half to start playing. They came out to yeah. a quick start, that's for sure. <laughs> Going up 2-0 yeah, I mean, at halftime. Two, two defensive mistakes from Manchester City. First one, oh man, Ederson. Terrible ball to Rodri. Turns yeah, I don't know why he played gets there. It taken. Kulisevsky slots at home, 1-0. And then, like, what, a minute and a half later, Rodri tries to dribble out of the back. Kane with a beautiful sliding tackle. Shoots it at goal, or what you would think was a blasted cross, one of the two. 
was a Ederson shot. parried it, and the unlikely hero of Emerson Royale yep. heads landed home. on his head. Yep. So yeah, two zero at halftime, and you yeah. know, honestly, I was thinking like, okay, Tottenham, let's mm-hmm. let's see how this second half goes. You're a second half team, and then they weren't. No, <laughs> they were not they a second half team. Spurred it. Uh, I don't know if this was a combination of Tottenham being Tottenham and what we would say here in Washington is cooging it, uh, or if this was Tottenham poking the bear and Manchester City finally coming alive because this second half from the get-go was not even close. Not at all. You know, you got to – I think for me, the man of the match there for that city team was Riyad Mahrez. He 100%. really came alive in that second half. Yes. Was terrorizing those defenders. And yeah, then they end up getting three quick goals. Yeah. Um, Alvarez scores in the 52nd to get him started. Hugo Lloris parries it right to him, volleys at home. And then the inevitable 53rd minute, Erling Holland. Off of a Mahrez. Riyad Mahrez. Yeah. Header, header back across goal, but I want to talk about that ball from Rodri over the top to Mares. Whoo, what a beauty! Yeah, that was a beauty, and then the cushion header to Holland as well. So he had the he had the easiest job. <laughs> yeah, essentially just staying on sides and then running through the ball. Um, ended that ended his three hundred thirty three minute goal drought for Erling Holland. Uh, and then the 64th minute, Riyad Mahrez. I don't know if this is a more of a Hugo Lloris just being a bad goalie or if this is Riyad Mahrez with a shot of brilliance beating Lloris near post with maybe a foot between Lloris and the post. I think I'd give the credit to Mahrez because that was a rifle of a shot. You know, obviously as a goalkeeper, you never want to get beat at your near post. So... Maybe a little of both, but I would give most of the credit to Mares versus yeah. a blunder to Lloris. Yeah, well, whoever you give credit to, Riyad Mahrez, he turned it on in the second half, looked like the Riyad Mahrez from Leicester City. He really did. Yeah. Uh, do you think this is more of a permanent form for him and he's back to his best, or do you think this was just uh, someone pissed him off in the locker room and he decided to play the same way he did i don't think anyone pissed him off in the locker room but i think you know everything kind of aligned for him you know you have those games where just whatever you do you have that perfect touch the you know perfect shot everything comes off for you yeah i think that was his game i mean he's still a great player don't get me wrong and he's scoring goals but this was his that game where everything just fell into place for him (laughs) yeah it certainly did um other bright spot in this game, Rico Lewis. Another good performance from him. He's keeping Jao Cancelo and uh, Kyle Walker out of the team right now. Yeah, he is playing real well. Young young kid. That's fun to see. You know, you always like to see young players coming up. Yeah. Um, and then probably the biggest talking point, which I have to ask you, is Hugo Lloris done at Spurs? I think so. I think this might be his last year there before they go and maybe splash some cash on another goalie or give someone else a chance. Yeah, I I mean, you kind of have to. I mean, that's six mistakes leading to goals this year. Most sad to see, too, man. He's been such a rock for him in the back for so many years. But that's, again, it's for so many years. I mean, how long has he been there? 
15 years? Forever. It seems like. Um, but, I mean, he's not getting any help in front of him either. I mean, that's 21 goals conceded in 10 games for Spurs. Like, that. that's more than the defense of Newcastle City and Arsenal. But that's only in the last 10 games. It's nuts. Yeah, that Spurs team could could be in trouble here. You know, the first half I was, we were all probably praising them. Like, look at them go, taking advantage. Yeah. You know, they didn't have a whole lot of opportunities, but the ones they had, they took advantage of. You know, and then in that first half, City had a lot of the possession, but they weren't creating anything. You know, nothing too dangerous for Lloris. Rico Lewis had a good shot that Hugo saved. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, there wasn't a whole lot created by Man City, and I'm guessing they must have got their – their ass is chewed out by Pep at halftime. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely think, you know. I mean, he had some choice words after the game, too. Even after winning 4-2. to two, But, yeah, it's... Whew. I can't imagine what that locker room was like. Pep is an intense person, so... Yep. But, I do think, though, City might be more dynamic going forward with both Alvarez and Holland starting. That was an interesting play by, yeah, Pep, certain both of them. And I, yeah. I got to agree with you, Alvarez, he's a firecracker, man. He's he has he's a ball of energy on that field. He he likes to run, that's for sure. You know, versus Holland, he he can Holland can run, but like you say, he's more of a vertical yeah. player. Alvarez will come out to a wing and try to create. And he can yeah, finish, I mean, too. A, yeah, it was a great finish. Um, and... I mean, it was a bold move by Pep, not only starting them, but benching De Bruyne, Walker, Bernardo Silva, and Phil Foden out of the starting lineup. Yeah, I'm wondering if there's something else there going with De Bruyne, Kevin De Bruyne. You know, maybe he just wanted to give him a rest or something like that. They've been playing quite a few games here, but I just don't see how you leave Kevin De Bruyne on the bench. But he, he stayed there, too. I would have thought maybe at halftime we would have seen him but we didn't so yeah no Pep making a ultimately they didn't need him so no but pep was he was you know getting something across those players loud and clear that's for sure yeah that is for sure um all right on the 21st we had the battle of mid-table sides and it kind of hurts me to say that liverpool versus chelsea both teams struggling this season Nobody really looking like they would do anything in this game. And guess what? They didn't. This one ended a nil-nil draw. I mean, the only real bright spot of this whole game was Mihailo Mudrik made his debut. And, I mean, he was an instant favorite for those Chelsea fans, was running all over the field and tearing up that Liverpool defense. Yeah, I came on off the bench. So that was, that was good to see him. You know, we'll see how he how he does, how he adapts to life in the Premier League. You know, we got our fl- first glimpses of him. He definitely had some good footwork there in the box, but I also saw a couple not very good first touches from him. So, <laughs> could be he's yeah. shaking off the cobwebs, hasn't played in a while, but I'm sure Chelsea fans will be excited to see him on the field here at his full potential. Yeah, I mean, a lot of Chelsea fans saying he's the first the first thing they've been excited about since Eden Hazard. So we'll see how that goes. He's definitely a raw talent and lightning in a bottle. But again, 
he's not a finished product, so it could take longer than they want it to, or he could just hit the ground running. Um, but yeah, I mean, both teams, both needed a win. Both couldn't afford a loss. This one was really boring. I'll be honest with you. They both sit on 29 points now. Um, four behind fifth and 10 off fourth. Yeah, those uh, teams, man. You know, obviously they'd love to get into a Champions League spot. I don't see how they do it at this point. I think they're no. they're hoping for a Europa League spot. And, you know, watching that game, it was at Anfield. But I thought, honestly, Chelsea were probably the better of the team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think they'll kind of progress forward up that table versus Liverpool, man. I don't know what's going on at Liverpool. Something's going on with Klopp and some of those players. He didn't start Henderson or Fabinho. He started a young kid. Not going to butcher his name. He started Naby Keita. So, yeah. He's not very happy with the way some of his big-time players are performing. No. Um, And there's definitely something going on there. I don't know if it's age finally creeping in, if it's years of overperforming, perhaps. I don't know. But, you know, youth had the correct prediction of a draw in this game. But you said it. I think this might... This might end their top four hopes. I know mathematically they still could, but neither one are showing me anything to say that they're going to make a run. I mean, fifth maybe because Tottenham is so bad. But then you look at teams like Brighton and Fulham and Brentford that are all right there too. I I don't see how either one of these even get fifth. Yeah, it's going to be tough for, for them. That's for sure. I think Chelsea might be the better, have the better chance. Yeah. I'm getting there. They've signed what? 12 players? Well, that and then they got probably another 12 injured that could come back here in the next four <laughs> exactly. to six weeks. So, yeah. <laughs> and so I, I think that might it. help them. But like Liverpool, they don't have, I mean, you got Virgil van Dijk out. Darwin Nunez, Darwin Nunez was still battling injury, came on off the bench. Um, Luis Diaz is out. Luis Diaz, yep. So, I mean, but that's only a couple players, not like, yeah. not like Chelsea. Doesn't help that Cody Gakpo hasn't looked very good since coming in either. So. I think he's playing him out of position too. He was playing him up top versus on a a, a left wing, where you know we kind of saw him play at the World Cup. Yeah. Well, but yeah, we'll tell with Liverpool, but it's not looking promising. No, um, it's not. So next game on the twenty first, we had Bournemouth and Nottingham Forest. This one ended at a draw. Um, we both got this one wrong, ultimately, with each of us going one way or the other. This, I feel like Forrest should probably feel hard done by this. Yeah, I mean, Bournemouth were leading 1-0, but I think Forrest were definitely the better team. <laughs> it took them a while to get their, their equalizer, but, but yeah. I mean, come away with a point. Probably do feel a little hard done. They definitely had more of the chances. Dictated flow of the game. Forrest did. Yeah. But, yeah. It was a good finish on Bournemouth. I think it was Anthony. Was the striker yeah, who scored? Anthony. That was a, it was a nice goal. Yeah. Great first Cross touch, came into him. Finish. Popped it up. And then, yeah. Finish. Yeah. Um, I mean, Forrest were in control the whole second half. Yeah, they were. Just kind of what it's been for them all season is they struggle scoring goals. And they let in a goal, and then they can't overtake the deficit. So, 
Yeah, and that was Bournemouth's first goal at home in a long time. Yeah, <clears throat> and a huge point for Bournemouth as well, especially with the you know how they've been essentially free falling down the table. Yeah, I mean they're they're sitting in the relegation zone now. Yeah. On the yeah. goal differential, Sit, Wolves sitting, sitting above them. Sitting eighteenth. Um, Forest with another point. I mean, it brings them three points ahead of Leicester City in fourteenth. So I mean, yeah, starting to make a little bit of a gap there for them. That's mm-hmm. great news for Forest. Yeah. Speaking not great Lester news for City. my relegation prediction. Yeah. Not, I predicted not them not going down. <laughs> Speaking of Leicester City, they played Brighton. We both thought Brighton were going to run away with this one because of the form of both teams. Uh, but it ended in a 2-2 draw. Ended up being quite an entertaining 2-2 battle. I mean, this is the Leicester City we thought we would see all season. Yeah. I mean, Matoma, man, had a a heck of a goal there to get it going. Yeah. Beautiful curler. Yeah, cut then, it onto his right. Yep. Upper V. And then Mark Albrighton gets subbed on for an injured what's his name? Bryant, something like that. And Albrighton comes on and scores. Yeah. I do uh, feel like Brighton were the better team in that game. I definitely think they they had opportunities to win it, but credit Lester, man. They, you know, like like we said, their form has been terrible here recently. So to get a point against Brighton, albeit it was at Lester's home stadium, yeah, still a good result for him, I'd say. Yeah, um, I mean another bright spot, bet- you know, besides Batoma, Mitoma for Brighton was <laughs> Evan Ferguson gets yet another goal. Making it three and four for him. He's turning into their super sub. Yeah, he is. And it was a heck of a header, too. Glancing kind of wow, got it going. It was it was a beauty. Yeah. Um, that puts Brighton two points behind Spurs and six with game in hand. They could overtake Spurs. Spurs are not looking great. Brighton are looking really good. Yeah. This could be the year for Brighton. It could be. Let's see, let's look at the table. So, yeah, they're at 31 points. He said, yeah, two points behind Tottenham with a game in hand. And a better goal differential as well. So I wouldn't be surprised, yeah, if things keep going the way they are, if Brighton bumped Tottenham down one. Yeah. I mean, this this battle for fifth spot is going to be very, very interesting. (laughs) Yeah, it is. Uh, Because even Fulham are there, too. (laughs) Fulham? I mean, even Aston Villa, they're only four points back of – But good news for Lesser City fans. Jay Madison did come come into that game off the bench, so that's good news for them. He's definitely one of their star players. Yes. Yeah, he makes them a completely different team as well. So Much better team, that's for sure. All right. Next up, we have a very controversial Southampton versus Aston Villa. This one ended 1-0 to Aston Villa. However, it could have been a much different game. Um, we both predicted a draw in this one. And it was a close should one. Have been, quite honestly. Yeah, this was a close one. Um, yeah, Southampton thought they had taken the lead. Uh, James Ward-Prowse scoring a goal, but it got called back for a foul via VAR. 
again, I think this is VAR failing soccer, not making it better. What did you think? So, yeah, I'm sure you've seen it. The foul was kind of a little nudge in the back. Is it a foul? Probably. Is it soft? Absolutely. So I can see why it was turned back. But, I mean, if the the referee on the field doesn't call it, I don't feel like it's a clear and obvious mistake for it to then be overturned. So I probably would have counted the goal. And yeah, and you know if that goal stands, Southampton go up one zero in that game. Yeah, and it probably would have been a completely different game. But in the end, Ole Watkins scored the eventual winner off a free kick. Yep. And on the other end, Emmy Martinez coming up big yet again. He did have some good saves in that game to keep him in it. That's for sure. Yeah, um, that that result puts Villa one point behind Chelsea and Liverpool. Man, Unai Emery, they have the same amount of points as Manchester United and Arsenal since he took over. How good of a job do you think he's done? I think he's done a great job. He's definitely turned that team around since Steven Gerrard left. Yeah, I mean, they were sitting in relegation spots or close to it, and now they're all the way up in... Mid-table. Yeah, 11th with a pot. Oh, no, still negative four goal differential but yeah i mean they're they're going up the table they're flying high right now they're a dangerous team and could cause a problem for a lot of the big boys so what do you think on that was it a foul or should the i think it was um the problem is is i don't think it was enough to disallow a goal it was very soft that's what I'm saying. Like, if, if the referee makes the call on the field, then okay, fine. It's yeah. foul. Yeah. But for VAR to say, hey, it's a clear and obvious mistake, I don't I don't think it was. Yeah. I like guess it is one of those, like, yeah, that could go either way as a foul or not a foul, I think. Yeah. If, I mean, if this happened to Arsenal and, say, you know, someone fouled an Arsenal player in the box, I probably would be upset that it wasn't called on the field. Um, however, seeing it on replay, I probably would have been like, well, it probably should stand as a goal. So that's how I see it. I just, yeah, I think Southampton should feel hard done by. All right. Next up, we have the big game against the two fallen teams, West Ham United against Everton. Targa, you picked Everton. I picked West Ham. I know you were picking Everton just to be different. However, West Ham ended up winning this one 2-0, and it never was really close. Man, Everton looked bad. Yeah. They looked bad. They couldn't get anything going forward, man. Like, as soon as they get into that final third near the opposing goal, it's just like it broke everything broke down for them. They just they had no one to cross it to. Dominic Calvert-Lewin was non-existent in that game. Wait, he was on the field? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it seems like it. Shoot. They just, I mean, Damari Gray might be a little bit of a bright spot. You know, he tries to create at least, but yeah, they just look bad. Yeah. I, I mean, earlier, a couple weeks ago, I was probably saying poor Frank Lampard. But at this point, I, 
I don't know. I think it's that whole club is just bad right the now. The whole club, yeah. I mean, it, it's club. top to bottom. And the fans, even the fans are being fans are not right happy. Now. Yeah. Um, board members can't even go to the games in fear that they're going to be mugged. Um, <laughs> it's mugged. I think they just the, want to beat the, the crap out of them. Half the fans want Lampard out. Half the fans support him. Yeah, no direction, and they're tied for last place. Yeah, they're sitting in 19th 19th place with 15 points. And easily looking the worst of the two. So I, Honestly, yeah. Like, yeah. we saw Everton and Southampton play last week, and I thought Everton looked a little bit better, at least in the first half of that game. But this week, I would say Southampton played better against Aston Villa than Everton did against West Ham. 100%. Um, so yeah, West Ham, that win takes them out of the drop zone. They're all the way up to 15th, 16th, 16th. My apologies. Um, they're tied with Leeds on points and Lester and Lester, <laughs> but have one goal more allowed as far as goal differential. So yeah, I mean, West Ham just struggled to score goals. Their only bright spot this season besides Declan Rice, has been Jared Bowen, and he got both the goals. Yeah, so. the second one, you can see he just wanted the ball more than the defender as the cross was played mm -hmm. from Mikel Antonio. So, yeah. yeah, if he stays healthy, I think West Ham have a chance to stay up. I think if Jared Bowen gets hurt, I don't know if they have goals coming from anywhere else to be able to stay up. Not right now, with Skamaka still out injured. Mm -hmm. And Miguel Antonio's not scoring. Nope. They, they they have a lot of talent in that squad, but they're not convincing and not in form right now. No, but hopefully this win, you know, West Ham can get a good run of form going now, get a string a couple wins together, and hopefully move up the table, because that's definitely a team you don't expect to see down there. No, and quite honestly, I don't want to see them down there. Um, they have one of the most fun fan bases in all of England, in my opinion. Uh, next up, we had what we thought was going to be a low-scoring win, or at least I thought was going to be a low-scoring win for Newcastle. But Crystal Palace put up quite the fight. Ended nil-nil. I told you Palace were going to get points off Newcastle in this yeah, game. you did call it. Um, Palace arguably looked better than Newcastle. Eh, I would disagree. I would say Newcastle, I think, had the better of the chances. I mean, yeah, Nick Pope, I think, made one or two good saves. But it seemed like Newcastle had more corners. The ball was on that end of the field a little bit more often. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, regardless, both teams couldn't finish their chances. Bruno Guimaraes came back. I thought he was going to be out for a while, so good for him for coming back so quickly. Yeah, after walking off the field. The week and prior. then tragedy strikes for Crystal Palace, and Wilfred Zaha looks like he has done something to his hamstring, came off limping after a non-contact injury. Those are never fun to see. No, he'll probably be out for, if he did his hamstring in a good three weeks, I would say. Yeah, three, four weeks. How big of a blow is that for Crystal Palace? Huge blow. He's their best player. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, it might give Olise some extra playing time. 
maybe he won't come off the bench and he'll start. But yeah, I was surprised he didn't start that they went with Richie Eze in that yeah. game. I'm I'm again I, I almost wonder it's because they played midweek just a few days earlier, a few days ago. So maybe I don't know, Patrick Vieira is trying to rest them a little. Yeah, maybe. But yeah, I don't know. Um, so that, I mean, that, that result doesn't do any favors for Newcastle. Um, they stay tied on points with United, but in third on goal difference. And there's a hefty goal difference. Let me tell you, 22 goal or 22 goal difference. Um, yeah, that puts Palace. I mean, they were in 12th to begin the game. They stay in 12th. Um, that's right where they kind of want to be. Yeah, they they don't want to get dragged down into that relegation fight, though. So they definitely, you know, they've, they've had some tough games, obviously, playing Manchester United and then yeah. playing Newcastle. So. so hopefully they can get a string of a couple games here, one, and maybe get, get away from that relegation fight. <laughs> They're not yeah, quite in far, it, but. As far as they can. Yeah. Um, all right. On the 22nd, first up, we had Leeds United versus Brentford. Uh, we, I believe we both picked Brentford to win this game. Yeah. Um, I think you picked Leeds. Did I? Yeah, I don't know. I'd have to I, go back I, and listen. Doesn't sound like something I would do, but I've done crazier things. So, <laughs> um, yeah, Leeds Either way, look, it ends in a draw. <laughs> yeah, nil-nil. Uh, Leeds look more dangerous. Uh, especially in the second half, yeah, it was on the these. back foot all game. They couldn't really get any counters going, and Ivan Tony just looked angry. Did you see their jerseys? They have the black jerseys with like yellow, yellow and, pink and pink confetti, confetti. looking like crap yeah. stuff on them. <laughs> yeah, not quite as ugly as Fulham's away jerseys, but they're not good looking. Let me tell you, it was just weird. Like I like the black, but then you had pink and yellow confetti looking like stuff confetti polka dots whatever you yeah. want to say i don't they weren't know. circles though they were yeah so it was weird weird jerseys weird um paint splatter i don't know that's what, what i almost thought it was like they like paint splattered but a little different doesn't look like splatter it's more of a pattern which yeah um yeah i think brentford looked about as bad in this game as their jerseys did um leads looking better and better every game promising for jesse marshall it is you know he's he needs to start turning some of these draws into wins though get him out of that relegation fight because they're in the thick of it right now man yeah they're in uh, 15th place on 18 points so they're only a point off 18th yeah they don't want to be there no not at all um but as far as form goes it's more promising like for them team, yeah they're going in the right direction um, Brentford, on the other hand, that result doesn't do them any favors as they were looking to jump up into sixth. Um, they now have a league high nine draws this season. Crazy. Um, yeah, I mean, they're obviously still outperforming what I think most people thought they would do. So yeah, at this point, everything's gravy for them. <laughs> yeah. So um hopefully they can continue that good form and hopefully leads you know this kickstart something to where they can jump up the table a little bit 
but I don't think their schedule gets any easier from here on out. So, speaking of teams whose schedule doesn't get easier any or any easier going forward, uh, Manchester City played Wolverhampton Wanderers. This one wasn't close. Uh, yeah, ended three nil. De Bruyne with a or De Bruyne assisting Holland for the first one. Holland with a hat trick, making it four hat tricks in his young Premier League career, which has now passed Cristiano Ronaldo and Luis Suarez for more hat tricks in his entire EPL career. Yeah, that's crazy. unreal Erling Holland yeah yeah uh the one note I wanted to make about this game is City came out playing an interesting formation uh they played a 3-2-4-1 with two attacking midfielders uh I don't know if that's just because they wanted to just dominate Wolves more than they already would have but it seemed to work it's a very interesting tactic from Pep um Manchester City at the time was two points back of Arsenal after this game. Um, with Arsenal having two games in hand. Erling Holland, I mean, how much has he impressed you? He's, you know, he only needs 10 goals in 18 games to break the all-time record. Yeah, he's got more goals right now than the Golden Boot winners the past few years, it seems like. Yeah, he he's already passed... Uh, min Son and Mo Salah from last season at 22. Holland now has 25. So, I mean, robot. Now we're going to be expecting this from him. He went exactly. a couple games without scoring, and now in two games he's got four goals. So <laughs> it all adds up. <laughs> Made up for it, season. right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, over under 45 for him. In the prem or overall? In the prem. Under. I'll go over just to because the 18 games left. So, all right. And then on to the biggest game of the weekend. Again, shout out to those of you who joined us for our live stream for this one. We had the big match first versus third at the time. Manchester United versus Arsenal. What a game. By the time this game started, we're still fourth. Um, what a game it was. Uh, United surprisingly started Big Horse and Scott McTominay. Man, this was back and forth. This was like the old United-Arsenal rivalry games that I'm used to seeing. I know you have too. Yeah, this was a fun game, man. It was just fun. You're right, a little surprised McTominay, but I understand why he did play because Casemiro was suspended for this game. Big horse. I mean, I don't know who else they're going to put up there. Martial, I'm pretty sure, saw it injured. Yeah. Could, I guess, put Rashford there, but he's been tearing it up on the left flank. Yeah. And he tore it up on the left flank again for this game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You he scores the, fir the about, first goal. Yeah. You want to talk about that strike? I mean, the first, the first goal, Marcus Rashford scores. But the way he went around party, man, that was just – that was beautiful. And then that, yeah, a rocket down there to the lower – Left-hand corner, Ramsdale diving to the right, couldn't get there. Yeah. United go up 1-0. Yeah, and, you know, honestly, at that point, 
United almost looked like the better team, but I feel like that goal kind of came out of nothing. It's just a piece of individual brilliance by Rashford. Individual brilliance by Rashford, and yeah, kind of a poor pass by Partey. Yeah. I, Tried I to thread it through. Fun. Rashford blocks it. It falls, I think it was to Bruno, someone, and Bruno gives it back to Rashford, who comes around Partey like he's not there, and no yeah, one closes like him down, so he takes a shot. And then not even six minutes later, oh, Eddie Niketia puts Arsenal back level after a cross from Granite Xhaka. That, I felt like, was with the run of play. Um, Yeah, I mean, after that goal, you could definitely tell Arsenal wanted to get back into it. But I will say, I, I did expect Arsenal to have more possession in this game and United to play more on a break. But it wasn't really like that. It was like United wanted to go toe-to-toe with them. They did a really good job in the first half. I mean, all the way up until the end, I would say they did. Yeah, they, they had their their times in the second half, for sure. But definitely towards the end of that second half, Arsenal started to impose themselves. Um, Speaking of imposing themselves, uh, second half starts. Arsenal's a little more into the game. And then out of nothing, Bukayo Saka puts Arsenal ahead with a 25-yard worldie. Curler, man. What a curler. Woo! Now, now I know. I don't know which one was better. I don't either. Rashford's or Saka's. Impressive. But, yeah, I mean, when Saka shot that, I didn't think there was any way that was going to sneak into the far post. But, no. Right in. It was fantastic. Um, however, that lead only lasted six minutes when Lissandro Martinez gets his first goal in the Premier League for Manchester United with a brilliant flick over the top of Gabriel in the goal after a parry from Aaron Ramsdale. What a flick, man. What a flick. That was such a weird header, just his little bloop. Yeah, and he only had a split second to react to it, and yet he still yeah. managed to do that. I thought it was fantastic, um, especially with how swollen his eye was. <laughs> it was a bruise all the way across his entire um, cranium. United being that impressive, Arsenal being just that much more, is this Arsenal's title to lose at this point? Oh, for sure. This is definitely Arsenal's title to lose. Yeah. I mean, they're five points up, game in hand. Everybody keeps saying, you know, they haven't beat a big team yet. Well, now the only big team they haven't beat is City. I mean, they've, they've only lost one game. Yeah. <laughs> one game, two draw, or one loss, two draws, and the rest are wins, man. It, it, this is theirs to lose. I mean, even history's on their side to win this. A team's never had this many points and then not won at yeah. this stage. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Which begs the question, from where they were at the beginning of the season where we thought they were going to be, would this season, winning the Premier League, be more impressive than the Invincibles? No. Just because it's so hard to a season without losing a game i, I mean that invincible that. team don't get me wrong they didn't have the best points that we've seen in years past but they didn't lose a game like how 
how did they not lose a game? I remember the year after, you know, Jose Mourinho with that Chelsea team, they were unstoppable and they lost one game that season. <laughs> and so it, it's yeah. hard. It's hard not to lose one. And so, I mean, it's just, that is very impressive. But again, take nothing away from this Arsenal team, the way they're performing. They're playing fantastic. They're fun to watch. Arteta has got them humming, man. Yeah. I mean, at this point of the season, they're five points better than better off than the Invincibles were. However, the Invincibles didn't have a Manchester City squad to deal with. I understand they had Fergie's Manchester United, but so yeah, I guess that could be the argument. Is maybe the teams a lot, a lot better teams now than there were back then? You know, even with Newcastle. You still obviously had your Chelsea's, Liverpool's, Man United's, but yeah, Man City. And that was that team that beat Jose Mourinho that one game. Yep. <laughs> Manchester City, a PK uh, from Nicholas Anelka. There you go. Uh, but at this point, you guys let us know. Is this run more impressive than the Invincibles? It's possible. There is an argument to be had. But nothing is final yet. There's still a long way to go. That's what season. I was going to say. Maybe ask me at the end of the season and see where they're at. Season's not over yet, so anything could happen. This, Who knows? This Arsenal team could crumble and come back down to earth here real quick and in a bad way. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we keep waiting for it, but it hasn't happened. And it, I'll be honest, it doesn't look like it's going to happen. Uh, other good news elsewhere in Europe, Bundesliga is back. Woohoo! Woo! Uh, after the World Cup, this would be the first round of games, and on the twentieth, man, did we have a big one! RB Leipzig, who's in third, played Bayern Munich, who are in first. This one ended in a draw, one-one. Do you think that was an even result? Kind of do. Yeah. You know, I, th I think in the first half, Bayern definitely played better, but I feel like Leipzig came back into it, especially in that second half. Yeah. Um, again, Leipzig, very fun to watch. They're fast, man, going forward. And Jan Sommer getting his first appearance for Bayern Munich. Yeah. Um, what a, Swiss what goalkeeper. a great pickup from them, for them. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, Chupamoteng scored in the 37th. Beautiful counterattack from Bayern. And Marcel Halstenberg. Scored for Leipzig in the 52nd, which I feel like was a fair result for both teams. Yeah. All right. Then on to the 21st, we had Wolfsburg, who were in 7th against Freiburg, who are in 2nd. Were in 2nd. Uh, Wolfsburg ran riot, winning 6-0. Man, did I not see that coming. Yeah, and that goal differential knocked Freiburg down to 4th. Yeah. It just shows you how tight it is at the top there. Um, puts Bayern Munich up five points on second. Speaking of second, Eintracht Frankfurt beat Schalke 3-0. Schalke is on the bottom of the table on nine points, but that sends Frankfurt second on 30 points. Yeah, they're sitting in second off goal differential. But yeah, it's a good result for them. You kind of expect them to win. Schalke... Not playing well. Which is sad to see, because they're a pretty big club as well. Yeah. All right, on to the 22nd. We had Borussia Mönchengladbach against Bayern Leverkusen. 
man, this was a good game as well. Ended three to two in Leverkusen's favor. Yeah, great result for Leverkusen. Next up, which could arguably be the best game in Germany of the weekend. We had sure Dortmund, who's in sixth against Augsburg, who are in fourteenth. This one ended four to three and was back and forth the entire time. Dortmund Ooh. score, Augsburg responded, and then Dortmund found a winner at the end. Yeah, that was a great game, man. It ended 2-2 at halftime, so there's four goals in that first half. And yeah, there were some, some beautiful goals, too. Uh, Jude Bellingham's first goal, that was a rocket, and then the winner from uh, Gio Reyna was a beauty. Good for him to get back on the score sheet since his Silence. Uh, issues he's that. had with his parents at Don't the U.S. Men's National Team. Do your own thing, kid. I'm very happy for him. And what an important goal for Dortmund. That I was mean, an important goal that helped that get them up the them, table. That would have put them nine points behind Munich. But with the win, they are seven. But yeah, that puts them closer into that, you know, kind of second place. They're only two points off second place now. Yeah, which is good for them. Um, you one would expect them to be near the top of the table. Oh yeah. But yeah. All right, flying over to Italy. Well, I guess Saudi Arabia. We had the Italian Supercoppa. There's a Milan derby. Enter against AC Milan. Enter beat them three nil to win the first trophy for them of the season. This game is traditionally the Coppa Italia winners against the Serie A winners. I mean, it was not really close from the get-go. No. <clears throat> Milan definitely looked very bad defensively in this game. They made a lot of mistakes. And Inter Milan capitalized. And Dzeko turning back the clock, too. Uh, yeah, he looks like a man reborn this season. Yeah, I mean, he turned uh, Sandro Tonali inside out for his goal, cut it yeah. back across, scored it with his right foot. And then Lautaro Martinez, man, gets the third. So he's scored in back-to-back Supercopas now. Yeah, the Milan defense looked really suspect. A lot of mistakes. Um, but that's what you get when you have that many mistakes against good opposition. Yeah, especially that tomorrow. He didn't look very good. Yeah. Just before some breaking news getting reported on the 20th, Juventus docked 15 points, taking them from second, were they? Yeah. They were, yeah. Uh, All the way down to 10th place um, after essentially a court case saying that they fluffed their books by the way they accounted for player transfers and player swaps in wages Um, too i think they had claimed like three months wages for players took deductions during covid but that actually wasn't the case and yeah yeah just all sorts of things um again like that what happened in december their whole board uh, resigned they now have a new board There is a continued um, investigation going on about how they use their books and player exchanges, using them as um, inflated value 
to make their books look better. And that mm-hmm. was what I wanted to bring up. So that's a huge going goal, into though, man. this weekend. Fifteen uh, points. Juve go from third to tenth. So Saturday, the twenty first, we had Sol Solernitana. Solernitana. I finally had to figure out how to say it. Yeah. Uh, Easiest way, go on to FIFA and play as them. <laughs> there you go. Uh, who fired their coach after losing 8-2 to two last week, only to rehire him a day and a half later, playing Napoli, who's in first and cruising. Napoli won this one 2-0 to no surprise of anybody else. Victor Osimhen continues his scoring streak. Yeah, Di Lorenzo scores the first goal right before halftime. And then, yeah, Osimhen gets a tap-in in the second half. Ochoa made some good saves. But, yeah, this game was all Napoli. And then on to the 22nd, we had Juve, fresh off of a 15-point reduction against Atalanta. Man, this game was good. Ended 3-3. Atalanta scored first. Juve scored two. Atalanta scored two. And then Juve scored another. Essentially, there were no defenses this weekend. <laughs> I, I don't know what Doesn't happened. Doesn't sound like it. Yeah. So, that good for Juventus. It's an important point after what happened to them this week. Um, but they have to move on from here. Next up, we had Inter, who are in fourth against Ampoli. Inter. Oh, that's on uh, the 23rd. Uh, Inter beat Verona last time out 1-0. Ampoli beat Sampdoria 1-0. And then on the 24th, we have Lazio against AC Milan. Lazio sitting in fifth. Milan's in second. Milan coming off a draw against Lecce. And Lazio being Sassuolo 2-0. And that is it for this week in Italy. So off to Spain, Cargo. Let me hear it. In Spain, we had Atletico Madrid take on Valladolid. Atletico won pretty comfortably 3-0. Memphis made his debut. That was on uh, the 21st of January. 22nd, you had Barcelona win 1-0 against Getafe. Barcelona, that keeps them in first place. Getafe, well, they moved down to uh, 16th place. And I, that one was a little bit of a snoozer. Yeah, it was. Maybe yeah, Barca having a little bit of fall back from their El Clasico win. But, you know, that's what makes you champion is winning ugly in the games that you should win. So, and Speaking of El Clasico, we had uh, Athletic Club take on Real Madrid. Real wins this one 2-0. A beauty volley from Benzema. And then Tony Cruz finishes it off at the end of the end of the game with a beautiful finish as well. So yeah. Real Madrid keeping pace there with Barca. They're three points off in second. And Real Madrid have a big game next week playing Real Sociedad, who are in third. Yeah, so, and a, a team that uh, is known for giving them trouble as well. Especially and they're in great season. form, Sociedad. And if Sociedad gets a win there, they will uh, be tied on points there with Real Madrid. So, very interesting games coming up next week. Spain, it looks like it's going to come down to the wire. Looking tight at the top. Yeah. 
It'll be interesting to see how Atletico do with Memphis. Hopefully it's not another Antoine Griezmann situation for Barca where he comes back to bite him. And <laughs> I mean, for Memphis, going to Atleti, I mean, he's the fourth player from Barcelona to do so, and every single one has come back to bite Barca in the ass. So we'll see how that goes. However, I think this is probably Barcelona more trying to balance the books than wanting to sell Memphis to Atleti, so definitely. But all right, take speaking, us on to our done deals here, Josh. Speaking of Memphis to Atleti, uh, let's get on to our done deals, like you said, and we'll start with that one. Going from Atleti to Barca, three mil euros, permanent signing. Interesting clause in this one, though. Barcelona have an option to sign Yannick Carrasco in the summer for fifteen to twenty mil. Um, yeah. Do you think that's a good deal for Atleti or a good deal for Barca? I don't know. I mean, Memphis hasn't shown a whole lot recently, but three mil, also not a lot. I don't know why Barca would want the option to sign Yannick Carrasco. 15, 20 mil, I guess that's, that might be a little, a little much for him. He hasn't performed super great recently. So I would say a good deal for Atleti, maybe not the best deal for Barca. I, I have to agree. I think Memphis Depay is definitely worth a lot more than three mil. Um, even though he is getting older, he's still in his 20s, um, believe it or not. So I think this one comes back to bite Barca in the butt, but time will tell. All right, next up, already mentioned, Jan Sommer from Bayern Munich, from Borussia Mönchengladbach. 8 mil plus 1.5 mil in add-ons. I think this is a great deal for, well, more Bayern Munich than Gladbach. That is a great deal. Yeah. Yeah, I'll admit that, yeah. I feel like Jan Sommer's a solid shot stopper. Yeah, and he showed in the World Cup how good of a shot stopper he is for Switzerland. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, another international goalie going to Bayern as good cover for the injured uh, Manuel Neuer. Again, Bayern Munich doing great deals with teams in Germany just to make themselves better and everybody else worse. <laughs> Speaking the of which, uh, Conrad Leimer, uh, it was announced that he has signed from Bayern Munich. Contract starts in the summer on a free when his contract expires. Yet another promising young talent from Leipzig going to Munich. Has Leipzig officially taken over as the feeder team for Bayern Munich? Over it's the Bayern Munich B team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they played them here this weekend, and I was thinking like Uwe Makano playing against his old teammates there. Yeah. So, I, I think they have. Um, they seem to be turning out more talent than Dortmund has in Leipzig. Um, and Bayern just as they always do, swoop up all the best talent. Ties them all up. <laughs> all the best talent in the Bundesliga. All right, next up, we're going to go over to England. Nottingham Forest signed Chris Wood on loan from Newcastle. Is this a good deal for them? I thought this one was pretty interesting because I've been seeing Chris Wood getting playing time. So I'm not sure why he would want to go, I guess, for more playing time. You know, I think it's a good, good deal for Forest. Gives them cover. I think he'll 
be more willing to fight for his spot at Forest versus at Newcastle. Yeah. But then Newcastle, I mean, like I said, they were playing him. So if something happens to one of their starting forwards, they could be hurting. Yeah, I mean, Newcastle does have Isak coming back. Um, however, yeah, like you said, he's been hurt all season. So what's going to say he's not going to get hurt again anytime soon? Um, I think this is a better deal for Forrest than it is for Newcastle. Newcastle is struggling with depth up top if somebody does get hurt. Nottingham Forest get what they want. They need a goal scorer. He could provide it for them. What does that make it like? Twenty six signings now for Forest. <laughs> a lot. That's crazy. Um, but yeah, a lot. So we'll see how he fits in. Next up, we're gonna go over to London. West Ham signed Danny Ings from Aston Villa for fifteen million. Good signing for West Ham. Yeah, they need they need someone to score some goals. Kamaka's been hurt quite a bit. Michael Antonio's a little bit out of form, hasn't been scoring. I mean, they've been kind of relying on Jared Bowen. So, yeah, I do think it's a good signing. I agree. Um, Denny Ings is very familiar with the relegation fight. He'll provide goals that will be instrumental to potentially keeping them up for next season. And potentially it could save David Moyes' job. Yeah. Danny Ings, man, he's played for almost half the teams in England, it seems like. <laughs> right. Um, he's definitely going around. Um, hopefully this time he'll find somewhere where he can start regularly and stick. All right. And then into a shock transfer that essentially came out of nowhere, except for one of us said that it could happen. Leandro Trossard from Brighton to Arsenal. Flick of a switch. Boom. Done. Fabrizio Romano calling this one 21 mil plus five mil and add-ons is this a good signing for the gunners i don't know i have my doubts i do um he, don't get me wrong leandro trossard was playing great for brighton we had talked about his attitude the way he left i didn't like you know you hope michael, Ar michael arteta kind of did his homework there and won't take any of that nonsense so you don't want nothing messing with that dressing room. But at the same time, Arsenal needed some depth. You know, they had just lost out on Mihailo Mudrik to Chelsea. Lost out on Jao Felix to Chelsea. So they, they definitely needed to sign someone. And hopefully Trossard can be the one to kind of give some competition there to Martinelli and Bukayo Saka. But I definitely see him more as a bench player. But hopefully he can make a difference coming off the bench. He scored a, some big goals against big teams. so Yeah, definitely. Um, I think this is a good deal for Arsenal. Um, originally, I thought that they paid way too much for someone who had six months left on their contract. But, but he had, an, op right. a year he had option. an option for another year, yeah. so it makes sense. I think he brings versatility to the bench. I mean, you need a stronger bench than they have to last the whole season. Um, I mean, they're still fighting on three fronts for trophies. Um, they potentially could win the Europa League, FA Cup, and Premier League this year still. I They need the depth. Someone gets injured. He's a good, good person off the bench. Um, we saw in the United game he made his debut. Looked like he could potentially be a good signing for them. I know it's going to take time. But Arsenal's assistant coach also coached Trossard at 
Genk. Um, so I think that's probably at the end of the day why Arteta trusted uh, Trussard and his attitude over him. Yeah, and I think you mentioned his versatility will be key. He can play along that front three anywhere. Yeah, and he does have more than one goal in him. So, um, all right, next up, again, seemingly out of nowhere, and then literally out of nowhere, we got <laughs> Jacob Kivior, 22 years old, from Spezia to Arsenal, 20 mil. This guy is a left-footed center back. Played all of Poland's games starting at center back in the World Cup. I don't know a lot about him. But Robert Lewandowski said he's going to be one of the great center backs with a huge potential in the future. Well, that's good to hear. Hopefully Robert, Robert Lewandowski is a good scout then. <laughs> right. Especially if he's scoring all the goals against him in training. So Yeah. Um, all right. Next up, we go across London. Chelsea make yet another signing. Uh, this time, Noni Madueke, uh, 20 years old from PSV. He's originally from Tottenham and Crystal Palace's academies. Plays attacking mid and winger. I watched some of this guy's film on uh, YouTube, my extensive scouting. Uh, he says in interviews that he possesses great dribbling abilities. The stats don't lie. He beats his man an average of 4.8 times a game. Is he and he's a, a winger or a midfielder? He can play as an attacking mid or a winger. Yes. Well, Chelsea has lots of competition for him then, so we'll see how good he is. Yes, I believe they have uh, ten wingers slash center attacking mids now and no strikers. So, um, yeah. <laughs> so that's all the done deals for this week. Speaking of done deals and disappointments next up targo we're gonna go into our biggest disappointments in the premier league this season as far as players go <clears throat> this one was tough there's a lot of good things happening in the premier league this year and a lot of disappointing things happening what do you got for us so I'll start with my least disappointment i would say it'd be mohammed salah your least disappointing disappointment? Yeah, my least disappointing disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> like, obviously, you still expect a lot out of Mohamed Salah, and his, his numbers are not great, but it's they're not terrible either. You know, if it was someone else, not Mohamed Salah, you'd probably say, oh, that's not too bad. He's having a good, a good season. Like, for example, Salah's and Leandro Trossard's numbers are very similar. Yeah. And, you know, people would say Leandro Trossard's having a good season. And maybe Mohamed Salah isn't. For me, it's his play during the game. It's not necessarily his stats. Like, you know, you're used to seeing Mohamed Salah take on players and beating them and creating something, his quick feet in the box. And you're just not seeing it, man. No. He's so been very he, disappointing on the field this season, and his dribbling looks like it's gotten even worse. Yeah, and so he's, he's not old. I think he's, what, 30? So he's not he's not old. He's not super young either, though. I know when I hit 30, things started to hurt a little bit more, but... Everything. The answer <laughs> yeah. is everything. So, yeah, he, he's been a little bit of a disappointment here. I mean, that whole Liverpool team has, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, my number four, I guess, disappointment, or 
after Mohamed Salah would be, I think, Darwin Nunez. I kind of expected him to come flying into the Premier League. He's an exciting player, you know, and he's getting chances, but, man, that guy misses too many big chances. Yeah, he, he has really been a little bit wide of the mark, we'll say. So, yeah, he, he's got to be up there. It's just, again, the chances he's missed, disappointed. I think you could have finished some of the ones he's missing. <laughs> 100%. Then after him, I would say Calvin Phillips. You remember him? Oh, yeah. The guy who <laughs> used came to play for Leeds United. After the World Cup. <laughs> In a dry so, yeah. World Cup. So, yeah, he's, he's at Manchester City now. They, they paid 49 million pounds for him over the summer, and he's got two appearances. And after the World Cup, Pep actually came out, said that he wasn't injured when he got back to City, but that he was overweight. And, you know, from a player who at the Euros was starting for England and was the key figure for Leeds, I mean, didn't hardly see him at this World Cup. But even I think he with Ed and Hazard too much at the World Cup. <laughs> Eating those cheeseburgers, huh? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he's he's been a disappointment. I know he's been injured, but to come back from the World Cup overweight, that's yeah. that's a little bit unacceptable there. All right. Who is your most disappointing player, Targo? So he doesn't play in the Premier League anymore. It's Cristiano Ronaldo, though, the beginning of the season. What a disappointment, man. I mean, last year he had 20, I think it was 20 goals for United, was their top goal scorer. Beginning of this season, you know, he's not getting a look in. And then his poor attitude just, yeah, killed it for me. Refusing to go on as a sub, leaving a match early, you know, it shows he has a fragile ego and that, yeah, he thought he was important. And Ten Hogg said, no, the club is more important. And, Apparently, Ronaldo didn't like that, so he had to leave. Yeah, I, I was highly disappointed with Ronaldo as well. I mean, he should know at this point, and he even came out and said it, that at United, the club is bigger than he is. But when push came to shove, he sure didn't act like it. No, I mean, how do you refuse to come on as a, not come on as a sub? Yeah, especially against Tottenham. I don't. What's that say to your teammates? Yeah. Um... And then it was the storming off the field for me, getting subbed off, throwing his jersey on the ground, and walking off the field. Yeah. Down the tunnel. Um, and then he did it for Portugal at the World Cup, too. So, I mean. Fragile ego, man. Fragile ego for one of the greatest strikers of all time. So, um, so yeah, those are my biggest disappointments. How about you? All right. Well, I'll go with my least disappointing disappointment first um it's a mouthful <laughs> yeah uh, i'm gonna go with mason mount uh, he was flying high last season looking like one of Ch chelsea's best midfielders um this season he has the second most minutes on the entire chelsea squad he's only got three goals and two assists um and then the one for me is he's got 20 fouls committed which is second on the team only to Kai Havertz. Do you think it's his contract issues? Because I know his contract's done at the end of the season. Do you think it has that has something to do with it? It very much could. Um, but you would think you'd be playing four contracts rather yeah. than 
hoping that they would give you one so you play better. So, um, next up, I have uh, someone who doesn't really play that often, but is just that bad on the field. You know him well, Pierre Emerick Aubameyang. He's been so bad. <laughs> so bad. Even the Chelsea fans don't want to see him come on. He's been on the field 16 times. He's got three goals. Two of them were in the same game. But the worst stats for me is in those 16 appearances, he only has 10 shots. And he's only made eight passes in 16 games. That is terrible. Awful. He just looks bad when he comes on the field. Like, he doesn't do anything, you know? Doesn't create nothing. Doesn't give the defenders, you know, any trouble putting pressure on them. He just looks like he's on a walkabout. Yep. <laughs> yeah, the opposite about the uh, kick around with the boys than Ivan Tony. Uh, he went to the other side of the park. <laughs> All right, next up, I have Walk to agree with, with you. Boys. Darwin Nunez. <laughs> <laughs> 15 big chances missed in 16 games with only five goals and it's, a red card. Yeah. Don't it's forget the chances the red card. missed, man. How does he miss 15. some of these? Leads the Premier League. Oh, so bad. Second is Erling Holland, by the way. Um, yeah, he's just been bad. I know he's got the potential there. He's just been bad. I know this is the end of his Liverpool career. He's just been disappointing. Like, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. And who knows, you know, those chances he's missing, watch him start putting them in, and he finishes the season with 20 goals. Yeah, it, I mean, it's not far off. He could be at 20 right now if we put them all away. So. Um, <laughs> next. 15 missed. I guess you're not wrong, huh? Right? <laughs> That's math, man. <laughs> uh, all right, next to last for me, Hugo Lloris. He's only got five clean sheets in 20 games. But for me, it's it's the same thing as Darwin Nunez, not being able to put away goals. Hugo Lloris, it's not being able to keep the ball out. Again, 21 in 10, he's let in, but six errors leading to goals. I mean, we saw the one where Bukayo Saka hit the ball right at him, goes through his hands off his chest and into the goal. Made another one this week against uh, Manchester City. He just seems to have at least one a game in him. But he had 11 coming into this season since 2016. He's got six this season. I think it probably is time for Tottenham to get a new goalie, but Hugo Lloris coming off of such a good World Cup has been awful this season. And last but not least, I didn't pick one player for this one. I picked the team's whole damn midfield. Liverpool's midfield this season has been atrocious. A team that has been first or second for the last, what, four or five years? Something like that, yeah. Vino, Henderson, Thiago, Oxlade-Chamberlain, Nabiketa, James Milner, and Harvey Elliott. Being Harvey Elliott literally has two-thirds of the stats of that entire midfield. That whole midfield has two goals and three assists. Harvey Elliott has one of each of those. That is how bad Liverpool's midfield has been. I think you could see it today. Klopp yeah. starting someone we never even heard of. And then yeah, Keita starting and no Henderson, no Fabinho. So. And we know that 
Jurgen Klopp does not like to play Naby Keita. Like he's a good player, but they Jürgen spent Klopp so much money on him too. Bench. He's been on the bench notoriously almost every game unless it's a cup game. They just so bad this season. It's the whole reason why they're where they're at. I mean, like you said, I know Mohamed Salah and Darwin Nunez, their stats aren't great, but they're putting themselves in chances. But the midfield is allowing teams to just run right through them like Swiss cheese. So it's hard to play when you're playing with your outside backs and your forwards, but nothing in the middle. And that's all I have to say about that. All right. Well, that brings us to this episode. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Make sure to check out our socials, Instagram, TikTok, at Bruise and Banter FC. Hop on our Facebook page. Join the conversation. Tell us what you want to hear, what you liked, what you don't like. Make sure to join our socials. We'll, we're going to start doing some live streams here. And so you definitely want to get in on that. They're fun. You can yeah, hear us chip and bark at the refereeing decisions, at player mistakes, all of it. Join the conversation. We'll shout you out during the live streams. So, yeah, that's all I got. So, everyone have a good one. Cheers. Cheers.